Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Okay, guys, hello, welcome. Dan Bradbury here. Super excited to be introducing you in a moment to my friend Richard Davis. I'm an advocate, as you know, for if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Listening to Richard is a little bit like taking a drink from a from a fire hydrant, right? It's intense and he knows his stuff. Richard and I first met several years ago at a party at a friend's house in Mallorca. As I recall, we spent most of the party being very antisocial, just talking on the terrace about business. Little known fact is Richard, the guy that I climbed Mont Blanc with and we, we uh, both tandem paraglided off the top. But, but his expertise is property. And he said a few things to me recently that, uh, of how the market's changing that as business owners, you've just got to pay attention to. So with that said, please uh, welcome Mr. Richard Davis. Richard, hello. Hi, Dan. So, so Richard, for, for those that don't know you and your backstory, you've got a phenomenal business and a career in property. Could you give, give us just a bit of a context for kind of where you started and and how your property career has evolved over time? Fundamentally, I started in residential in central London uh, in the 90s. Um, basically, was a, I was a developer in Kensington and Chelsea. Uh, I wrote a book in 1998. We went on to build a publishing business called Property Secrets on the back of that, which was a basically a very early online educational platform. It was a portal educating people on residential investment. We leveraged that community into about a half a billion dollars worth of investments into uh, Eastern Europe or the city centre locations, made investors a load of money. And then in 2008, I joined a guy called Steve Bolton in Built Platinum Property Partners, which is a uh, HMO franchise. Fundamentally, we now have interest in about a thousand houses, HMO houses across the UK. So my background is basically has been residential up until 2013. And then we decided we made a really great move of buying our own office building. We were already paying rent. We had about 30 staff. We bought a pretty big office building, and that really worked out for us. And it started it started us on a journey where I've, had, I've learned, and it's been a very enjoyable journey in commercial property. And we bought a lot more assets, all on the back of that first investment, which I think we're going to talk about today. But fundamentally, uh, residential background. But we learned really now that residential is, I describe it a little bit like dominoes, whereas commercial is like playing chess. But it's awesome if you get it right. You and I obviously reconnected. For those who don't know, Rich is also uh, an ultra runner. And I've committed myself to my first ultra race this summer. And uh, so Rich and I were connecting over that. I got to spend a bit of time with Richard down in, uh, down in Bournemouth. And what you shared with me about the, the commercial side of things just blew my mind. Now, if you're a business owner thinking, I'm not really interested in property or commercial property, you can't not listen to this. I mean, literally, Richard explained, and we're going to go into it in a little bit of detail, I think, but the how uh, over time, you pretty much got a free building worth with a seven-figure valuation, and you've got a kind of a six-figure income stream coming off that building, and effectively free, you know, free rent, free office space for your business. So, uh, and the way that you summed it up, Richard, which I'm going to say, which I think a lot of people won't even know what this means, but I, I want you to elaborate on it. You challenged me and said, most business owners think the opco is where the prize is. 
but it's actually in the prop code. And uh, I suppose for context, could, could you elaborate on that statement? Uh, but we probably need to start by just defining what we mean by opco and propco. Okay, so opco propco uh, is, is amazing. Not many people have heard it unless they were a banker. Basically, opco propco structure is is basically where you take an operational company and fundamentally you bolt it onto a property company. So there's two different investments: there's a trading vehicle and an investment vehicle. And fundamentally, the premise of a building, if you can buy a building that effectively is bricks and mortar, which means it's it's empty, it's worth one price. And then if you can put in a lease into it, an opco on a long lease, and if you have control of that opco, you've basically radically changed its value. You've you've changed it from a bricks and mortar value to an investment value. And, And you get to keep the uplift if you own the propco. The reason why I think this is so powerful, Richard, is I think that a lot of those business owners, entrepreneurs, classically focus everything and all our eggs are in the basket of our business or businesses. And, and then anybody that's been in business for more than uh, 10 years, say, has had the highs and lows and the booms and the busts. And yet their wealth, their, their, their retirement, as it were, is all inside of their operating company. And outside of that, they don't have much wealth built. And yet this really is a a strategy for building wealth. So from my own perspective, again, I'm a more of a business person than I am a property person, basically. But I have a, I've built up a specialism in, in property. Uh, and what my experience as being a business owner in the last 20 odd years, and I built during that time for myself and for other people, businesses, number of different businesses with eight figure number valuation. And actually once before uh, for someone else, and a nine figure value. And fundamentally, one thing I have seen is that basically some of our paradigms, our value paradigms, sometimes just basically will change very radically over time. So the opco values that we tell ourselves are fundamentally, they can swing quite wildly. If you can bolt and use those those opcos when they're in their prime to bolt onto a, a, a propco, which has real tangible assets, we're talking about buildings that basically are very useful. To someone else, and I've currently that I've got people chasing me right now to buy that building off me for nearly three million quid. I could probably get for it, and ultimately it owes us right now nearly zero. We're about to effectively paid off simply by the excess cash flows that it's produced, and that asset, that commercial asset, especially in a period that we are in post-COVID where there's potentially high inflation periods and stuff like that. Real estate, especially if you buy the right stuff, creates real tangible assets in a portfolio. And if you're a business person, needs to think at that higher level. Look at basically balancing effectively what I would call paper assets with real tangible assets. And they've got a real opportunity to do that. And as I say, we did it for the first time really buying our own office building eight years ago. We've nearly paid off the off the debt, just purely by the excess cash flows. And if we carried on renting, we would have zero. We would have the opco, still have the opco, but we wouldn't have the propco. Let's talk about this because you just mentioned, you know, it's true that people have got the idea they're going to build up. We're speaking to a business owner yesterday, seven figure net profit, but basically it's a business that's very unstable, very very unstable, and it could very easy go to zero. It could go to zero in 12 months. Uh, I won't speak to his type of business, but it's, 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 not, it's not bricks and mortar. And yet, uh, so let, let's talk about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a picture of it, actually. Uh, just 
briefly to show the guys. This is, so this was your this is your first commercial property. Well, first of all, how did the idea come about, Richard? You know, you didn't just walk by it one day and decide I'm going to own that building. Where did the idea come from in the first place? Uh, where does anything come from? It basically comes from a dream that owning your own building and paying a mortgage, interest on that mortgage, is much cheaper than renting, fundamentally. And actually, instead, you're putting it into a building, a real asset. And and what's more, you know, we have control over how much square footage we wanted and how we uh, the, what we wanted to paint the walls and 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 all that sort of stuff. And so it it, it it ticked a lot of boxes from many different angles, which which we I'm happy to talk about. But ultimately, this this building, fun enough, we were there for three years. We've actually done the Opco Prop Code twice. But this building is about 20,000 square foot. Funny enough, it's actually where I had my first business when I was 17, 18. Yeah, we were 101 in there. So it's basically, it's a lot bigger than basically we needed. We were we were renting space roughly equivalent to that whole top floor. So we bought a lot bigger than we actually kind of wanted. And one of the first things I did was basically make a really cool roof terrace. The rest of the building was basically virtually vacant because it was being unloved and someone wasn't operating it properly. And all we really did was basically take the other space. And the best part, as I say, the best marketing tool we had was basically converting the roof to a roof terrace because it's what sold all the offices. And we basically built, got the office back full again. And, and this produces a minimum of 250K each year. Uh, we've actually done a little bit better than that. We're just now currently spending a little bit of money on it. So I think we can get this with a little bit of work. See, for example, on the other half of the roof terrace there, we're about to kind of think about what we're going to build there, build some more offices. We've got we've, we've done a load of planning on it. Um, there's a whole load I could tell you about it. But basically, it's worth three million quid. Fundamentally, it produces £250,000 worth of income. And our debt service on it now, because we've nearly paid it all off, is about, I can't remember, but it's about 20 grand a year. So effectively, our profit is about 230. Your statement at the start is cheaper to own it than it is to rent. Well, because for the guys listening, it's kind of obvious because the landlord that you're renting from is making a profit. So, so they've got a spread and a margin. And you're saying, well, Elna, if you buy the building, then, then actually the mortgage payment is... Well, it's paying down the debt and a little bit of interest, but you're not paying the profits to the landlord. But somebody's going to listen to this, Rich, and go, okay, I get the concept, but isn't it going to cost loads? They'll hear things about, I've got to put 50% of the, the purchase price down. I don't have that cash available. And or, you know, how am I going to get a mortgage? Because most business owners can often have a nightmare getting their own getting their own mortgages. Now doing it with a company just feels too complex what what would you say to that it's really easy it's much much easier to buy your own building than it is investment buildings we we now buy after we got the bug well buy that one we we bought a whole load of other assets and most of our other assets when we buy them we have to go and get investment loans which are normally about 50 60 percent loan to value with if you're buying your own building it's a bit like buying your own home versus uh buying a buy to let basically you get it's completely different you talk to a different person, you talk to your effectively your bank manager or, or, or one of our brokers, you'll get sort of 75, 80%. Banks are keen on lending at the moment. You'll pay a different rate of interest, uh, an interest rate probably sort of three to four percent. Whereas on a on a on an investment basis, I'm paying sort of sort of five to six. 
One of the interesting things, though, is when you buy it, and it's unlike residential where there's a whole load of regulations that you can't refinance within a period of time, because you're buying it and putting your lease into it, you've suddenly got an increase in value. So very quickly, you can come and get any cash that you put into it back out again. Well, let's talk about that, because, again, I think a lot of people don't get this concept that they'll, you know, they'll buy a residential house. And of course, then that's the price of the residential house. Can you elaborate a bit more on why does, if you buy the building empty, as it were, and then put yourself in as a tenant, why, why that uplifts the value of the property? Let me ask you a question. Would you prefer to own an empty building where basically you might end up having to pay for the rates, the lights and the heating and the maintenance uh, without any income? Or would you prefer basically building that's full paying you income? Sure, it's pretty obvious, right? Okay. So basically, that just you can buy something that's empty, the bank and a valuable will think exactly the same way. They'll look at it and go, you're buying a building that's empty versus a lease that you've put to yourself. Again, the opco-propco structure, you've effectively created value, leveraging your own effectively asset that you're holding right now. You're paying rent, okay? And that effectively is valuable to a landlord. Why don't you own both sides of the equation? That This is, by the way, this is kind of what we do on a sort of larger scale within the group. You know, fundamentally, we run opco propcos because we're a franchisor as well. And the best example of that is McDonald's, basically. McDonald's play the opco propco model to a T. They're the fifth largest property company in the world. Most people think they're in burgers, but they're not. They're a property company. They put a franchisee into their own property. All you're doing is the same thing. You're just leveraging something that you've already got, your ability to pay out of your cash flow, out of your existing business, either rent or interest. This is so great. So I really want to emphasize to those listening, the more Richard got took me into the numbers, which we're not going to do into this call, but the more we went into the numbers, the more this just made absolute sense. You mentioned you, you leveraged that first property, born house, and you've done it again. And now you bought these three hotels in slap bang in the center of Bournemouth. How have you applied the same principle here, Richard? Well, originally applied our OPCO, PROPCO sort of leverage with our, with our bank. Uh, into the middle uh, building there we see in the foreground. Uh, and then basically, once we bought the middle one, well, I knew the other two would follow. Someone said to me when I was doing this deal, oh, you're playing Monopoly. I said, no, I'm playing Noughts and Crosses. If you get the middle one, basically <laughs> you get the other two. This is a place that we're going to put an incredible, iconic building. It's right in the center of Bournemouth. This is front row, basically, effectively the Royal Box in, in central Bournemouth. Bournemouth is now the 10th largest local authority in the UK, which is, this is on a pure escalator. And, and this, this site now is basically, it's been a lot of work, because it's about 80,000, uh, it's, it's close to 80,000 square foot. Uh, we haven't measured it properly, but it's a thriving business that throws loads and loads of cash off. It's sustainable once we work on a longer project. So don't get me going on this too much, because it's a, it's a labor of love. But let's briefly touch on the tax side. I mean, most business owners, Richard, we're not really into tax. We're into making profit and leave that for the accountants. And yet, as soon as you think about it with any any degree of just common sense, investing at the corporate level makes much more sense. Because I know a lot of business owners that will say, OK, I'll do that. I'll pay off my house. I'll go and buy a few buy-to-lets uh, or, or whatever. Can you talk about why... why uh, the corporate level, why it makes so much more sense and why it's more tax efficient. Okay. So when we bought this, we got something called a capital allowance. And without going into the dark arts of capital allowances, what that basically meant is that there is a one-time 
reclaim tax credits that you can claim over basically a building's capital or the bits in it effectively. And if it hasn't been claimed by someone else, which amazingly it hadn't been claimed, although this was owned by property companies beforehand, it's just, it's bonkers. But ultimately, we ended up with a £600,000 capital allowance credit on this site when we bought it. We bought it for a million and fifty, and basically it's worth, it came with a £600,000 capital allowance, which meant <laughs> that we were able to make uh, within our group, our trading business, all this, we actually used it to soak up a load of profits in our trading business. We were able to make £600,000 uh, of profit within the group tax-free, which is worth 120 grand in cash, effectively, when we bought that. So, so talk about tax, that's really kind of useful. Talking about where you actually put the assets, you can do uh, exactly uh, what we did, which is basically put it into a corporate structure where you have effectively the OPCO and the PROPCO divisions with a parent company. And basically, that's really kind of useful. And I would, I would, if people uh, are larger, and especially if they've got uh, more than one shareholder, I would definitely kind of think that that might be a, uh, an option for people to go. Uh, but ultimately, or you can you can put it in a pension. If you've got a large, if you happen to have a large pension, you put it in a pension wrapper, and then the pension can rent it to yourself. Either way, you're basically there's two approaches, two main approaches where basically you're preserving and creating kind of value, either for corporate. Or for yourself. I love that. So, I mean, correct me if I'm misspeaking, Richard, but so in layman's terms, for those listening, think about it this way you've got a company that operates, that's profitable, that, other, that pays rent currently. You can go and buy a building, you buy a building and perhaps only put down, say, 15, 20% deposit. So, on that £1 million building that you bought, Richard, you know, that's the equivalent of £150,000, £200,000 deposit, but you've got a capital allowance of £600,000, uh, um, which again, was worth circa 120, which was your deposit in tax savings, let alone the other ins and outs. And, and, and again, to fast forward to remind everybody at the end of the story, Richard put his company on one floor uh, and then rented out the other floors and has over time evolved it and, and done little bits of the building. But the building is now bringing in multiple uh, six figures, net, net, net. Uh, and all that surplus cash has just been used to hammer down on the mortgage. And now, and of course, the value of the building's gone up. Now you've got a building that's worth between two and three million quid, almost virtually at the point of owning it outright, uh, uh, massively cash flow positive. And that's just a phenomenal story. Rather than like you said, I just want to emphasize, it's not that the business wasn't profitable. It was. It makes money. Great. But, and that kind of sums up nicely because I, mean, I, I knew Richard's business and go, yeah, that's a great business. And Richard said, ah, but people think the Opco is the prize. The Opco isn't the prize, the Propco. So so Richard, for, for those that have, this has whetted their appetite and they can see, I know that the uh, marketplace and the climate has changed for commercial property, especially given COVID. Tell them, how, how can they find out more about this? And this is something that I'm absolutely going to do and I want everybody to know that I'm participating in this how can they find out more from you about how to uh, do this opco propco strategy we're creating a product fundamentally that is aimed at the business owner that doesn't want to learn all about commercial property they just want to make this this happen it's all the information i wish i had when i went in from uh, residential to commercial and and actually because i knew residential really well i was kind of halfway there okay i'm not sure i could have made the leap if I didn't have that sort of backstory 
I had a sort of intrin- intrinsic knowledge of com- how uh, space and uh, uh, real estate space actually kind of functioned and how it financed and 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 renovation and all those sorts of things. So uh, what we've created is a product that effectively uh, makes that as simple as possible uh, with full access to our team, which is probably a really big, which is a big, big thing. If you get building the right team, have the right expertise, uh, everyone will know in a business, from a business context, you know, you need a good, a good accountant, good lawyer, good, good specialist advice, you know, all these things. If you don't have that, impossible. So we give people a lot of access to the team. We basically create a, um, a one-day uh, boot camp, effectively, for uh, groups of up to, uh, up to eight people, partly because we want to bring a sort of groups through a process to, for people to help one another. Now, maybe it would be useful because uh, a lot of your guys know one another anyway. But fundamentally, uh, we want to show uh, on that boot camp, it will be in Bournemouth. Uh, we will show the real bricks and mortar because one of the reasons why I love property so much is versus kind of stocks and shares. It's real, right? You can, it's so tangible. So you really got to kind of see what we've done in Bournemouth. We'll basically give you access to our team and our uh, data library which basically will take you through all the various steps. Um, one of the key things that basically people will need to, to, to work out fairly quickly is whether they got access to finance. Uh, the broker that we work with uh, on all, all our commercial investments, uh, a, guy, uh, a guy called Nick Roberts, if we're sure people have got uh, passed the criteria. The, the aim of it is that really, you know, we sh- most people should go from start to finish within a year, okay? But ultimately, some people will do it in... Dan, I think you'll do it in like two or three months, right? Kind of knowing you. But fundamentally, we want to create a, a mentoring structure that basically guides people through the whole process so they don't get distracted away from their from their business. That's the real critical thing. Yeah. The valuable thing I want to get across to everybody here is speed it up. You can speed up the process. You can learn much more quickly. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's Richard and Richard's team that have got the access point. It's who you know. It's the, it's the leverage into the finance, to the to the planning permission, to, to all kind of elements of sourcing. The, the fastest route is learning from somebody that's been there and done that. So if this is of interest to you, uh, definitely let us know. Reach out to us, let us know. We're, we are going to put on a uh, one group, uh, one group of eight people, uh, and I'm definitely going to be participating. So seven. Uh, let us know if you're interested and then we'll have a chat about that. And we'll look forward to uh, getting something scheduled in the diary, dating the diary to get down to Bournemouth. Uh, you want to see it. I was there a couple of weeks ago and it was spectacular. I'm looking forward to going back. So Richard, we're, we're mutual Warren Buffett fans. I think it sums it up perfectly. Uh, Warren Buffett, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. That is right. Yeah, I love that. Basically, educate yourself fundamentally. And, and this is about, this is an investment. Right now, there's some huge, huge opportunities in the marketplace. COVID, uh, in particular in retail, I think retail fundamentally, retail to office conversions, fundamentally, there's a huge, huge play there. But we'll teach you that on the course. I love it. Uh, Richard Davis, thank you very much. Fantastic. Thanks, Dan. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners. 